I'd like to open this message with a scripture from Ephesians chapter 4. You will see it on the screen. It's starting in verse 21. It's a bit of Bible, but just stick with me. It really helps pave the way for what we're doing. If you're taking notes, write this down. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that the words will be encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And this is at right here. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Recap, Ephesians 4. Put on your new nature, created, recreated to be like God. Don't lie. Don't let anger control you. Don't steal. Don't use abusive language. Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. These are the former things. Instead, let everything you say and do be good and helpful as you remember God identified you. God called you and adopted you as his own, forgiving one another just as he forgave you, forgiving one another just as Christ forgave you. What a way to start. What a way to start. Let's pray as we begin. Jesus, we're grateful for today. What a gift it is to be your church. We ask God that you would just speak to us in powerful ways, that you would speak to us through your scriptures, through the power of your spirit, that you would open our eyes to your presence, that you'd soften our hearts to your goodness, that we would leave here different, that we'd leave here changed. And so God, we, we love you and that's why we're here. We're gathered in your name so we might grow even more into your image, putting on that new nature. So it's in your name that we pray, the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. amen. Happy Sunday, everyone. Can we thank the team for leading us for just a moment? Like, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you know, but it was Emma's second serve today. She is so amazing and we're so grateful for her. But it's, hold on, hold on. I need to hear the same enthusiasm because we had Janet's first serve today up there playing, playing the acoustic guitar, the violin, and the mandolin. No easy feat. So we're so grateful for you, Janet. Thanks for being here. Thanks for helping us and leading us in worship this morning. Okay, um, special thanks to our lovely video announcers today. Wow, compelling, I know. Can't wait to see that monkey costume come out again. Um, Ah, uh, man. 
So much good as we gather here today. Um, if you're if you're new or newish and you don't know me, my name is David. I'm one of the pastors here. Just fired up to be sharing from the scriptures today as we continue on in our series. We are week four of six through this, uh, the Lord's Prayer in the series called Our Father in Heaven, and we're parking here starting the fall with this series about prayer. Um, because even with its frequency, I would imagine this prayer from Matthew 6 to be one of the most commonly recited passages in the Bible in all history. Um, even with its frequency and commonality and its regularity, people are still pretty typically terrible at praying. And, and I'm not speaking that over you. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm anyone beyond you. It's just, it's hard to pray. It's hard for all of us. We get bored sometimes. We get distracted sometimes. We don't know what to say. We, we get overwhelmed thinking, what if God doesn't hear me? Or what if God does and my prayers come true? What, what, if, what if my words aren't going anywhere? What if God is, isn't even there listening? And so we make a wish list. We make a a petition list, we, we reach out when we need it, and then we run out of time, and we assume that once is enough, and so on and so on. And there's so many reasons that prayer is hard. But I would say, for me at least, prayer is hardest because it's playing the long game. Prayer is patient. Prayer doesn't often exists like Amazon Prime with instant gratification the next day delivery, right? Prayer is not a transaction between a passive, benevolent God in the clouds that he puts up with the world. No, prayer is an interaction between a passionate, intimate, loving Father in heaven and the world he so loves. And this good Father in heaven, he wants nothing more than to hear from us, to hear everything Yes, God wants to hear what you need. Yes, God wants to hear what you want. But he also just wants to hear from you. He also just wants to know you, to hear your, your passions and your stories and even your fears. God wants to hear from us because he wants to be connected to us because God loves us and wants more than anything for us to live in response to his love. And that's what we heard just a moment ago in Ephesians. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature, your old former way of life. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes, your behaviors. Put on the new nature created to be like God, righteous and holy. And don't bring sorrow to God's spirit by the way you live. Instead, remember he has claimed you. He has called you. He has identified you as his own. God wants us to live in response to his love and in response to his goodness, to live according to our new nature, our new nature, abiding by all the house rules of heaven as his adopted sons and daughters. And this, friends, this is why we pray. This is why we pray to throw off our old sinful nature, allowing the Holy Spirit to renew our thoughts and our attitudes so we might become more and more like our good Father who saved us. This is why we pray. It's a reset. It's a refocus as we reconnect with God.
This is why we pray. And so let us pray together. What Jesus instructs from Matthew 6. On your chairs, you should have a prayer card. And if you don't, grab one real quick. And we're going to be praying this together. The Lord's Prayer, starting in verse 9 from Matthew chapter 6. David, if you want to throw that up on the screen. If you don't have a card, you can read it off the screen too. So in this manner, therefore pray. Let's do this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Verse 12 today, our Father in heaven, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Another translation that we're going to be using today puts it like this. You'll see it on the screen. Our Father in heaven, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Today, as we throw off our old nature as a family, as a church community, um, we're going to be talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness. That we would not only be individuals who forgive, but that we would be a people of forgiveness, defined not by what the world says is fair or equitable or just, but rather we would define ourselves by the, un, by the overwhelmingly, undeservedly gracious favor and forgiveness that God displays through his son Jesus on the cross. We will define forgiveness not by what the world says is fair, but by God, how God chose to embody forgiveness on the cross. Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. This is God's heart of forgiveness toward the world he so loves. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I think it's vital as we establish this context, it's vital that we recognize that on the cross, no one was apologizing to Jesus. Pilate, who issued the death sentence, the Roman executioners, the Jewish leaders, the mocking crowd, Judas, who sold him out, and even Peter, who turned his back, no one looked to Jesus and said, listen, I'm, I'm sorry. No one looked to Jesus, who was God in the flesh, being brutally executed on a criminal's cross. No one looked up to him and said, Jesus, I, I am so sorry this is happening. Still, God in the flesh, literally dying for the sins of the world, the debt accrued through the rebellion against God. Jesus says to the good Father in heaven in this moment, he says, forgive them. Forgive them. This is who God is. Some of you, I don't know all of your church background, but some of you, again, start, you just think like God is this judgmental Zeus in the clouds throwing lightning bolts down on the world, but this is who God is. Father, forgive them. This is how God thinks. This is how God responds. But it's also what God expects. Ephesians 4, from his people, from us. 
that the new nature that we've received, that this new nature, that we would live into this image, that we would embrace this value and choose to behave and to live like he does. Forgiving one another, Ephesians 4, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. This is what God expects. This is what God expects, and it's exactly what Jesus is getting at here in Matthew 6, verse 12, the Lord's Prayer. It's this daily prayer for forgiveness. A daily prayer for forgiveness, two ways, echoing the great commandment of love God and love neighbor. Jesus says, Father, forgive us, forgive our debts, forgive our sins. That's first part. And second is, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Father, forgive our sins. It's the first part. Second part as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now, at first pass, I would say, this seems pretty cut and dry. You're like, man, how are we gonna make this last 40 minutes, Pastor? I got you, okay? <laughs> if you need a cup of coffee, go grabbing, because we're, be, we're in it for the long haul. Um, I would say on first pass, it might seem pretty cut and dry, because we've heard before. We've heard this, and we all recognize that forgiveness matters. It's how we should be living. But as I was digging into this over the past week with our pastors, I noticed something for the first time. And what I saw was this interconnectedness that existed between the forgiveness God extends toward our sin and the forgiveness we extend toward those who sin against us. And it actually appears that they're not only connected, but conditional. Check this out. Just two verses down in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, it's on the screen right here. It says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's heavy, right? It's a little uneasy. It sounds a little different than what we typically talk about here at church with God's love being endless and infinite, and there's nothing that we can do that can separate us from it. But now we're hearing from Jesus, from God himself, that if, that if you forgive people, God will forgive you. But if you don't forgive people, God won't forgive you. So what's the deal? Well, there's a few things that Jesus is trying to hit home here. The first thing um, is that forgiveness is vital for God's people. If you're taking notes, write that down. Forgiveness matters for God's people. It is a unique, distinctive for anyone following Jesus, for any Christian, for anyone that God identified as his own. And Jesus is saying forgiveness is not optional. Forgiveness is not optional. God wants you to know how much God cares about forgiveness. Because when we forgive, we are living our new nature, created to be like God, the God who forgives Righteous and holy. So that's first. That's the first priority Jesus is driving home here. That Jesus wants you to feel the weight of forgiveness and the priority that he places on it, going to such lengths to say that if you don't forgive, if you don't live this new nature, if you don't live out this characteristic of God, then you aren't one of his people. And he'll extend no forgiveness for your sin. It's that important. Forgiveness, it must be our first response and our first filter for how we engage with the church, with one another, and, and also with the world. Okay, so that's the first thing. Now, beyond this priority of forgiveness, which we could all agree matters, Jesus also makes some unique distinctions here. 
in his wording, and I wonder if you noticed it. We actually have a slide up here for it. When Jesus talks about forgiveness, he is referring to your sin. But when he talks about your forgiveness, he's referring to those who sin against you. How is this different? Well, if we are one of God's people, and this is some good news for you, if we are one of God's people, then as new creation, having already cast aside our old sinful nature and former way of life, the reality is you are already forgiven. You're already forgiven. You are already forgiven forever by the saving work of Jesus on the cross. And there is nothing, this is what I'm telling you, there is nothing that can change God's heart and love for you. Every single day, Jesus, uh, God sees you as new because every single day when God sees you, he sees Jesus covering you. Once you were dead, but now you're alive. You are a new creation and he has identified you as his own. So as a person, your forgiveness is final and it is forever you are already in God's family forever that is some good news so what are we getting at here you might be forgiven forever but that doesn't mean that you don't still break the rules sometimes that you don't disappoint your good father in heaven it doesn't mean that you don't fail to live up to the family name from time to time to which just like any good kid says to their parents I'm sorry Dad, forgive me. Father, forgive me. Listen, we, we all still need forgiveness for the dumb stuff we do. That doesn't line up with who we say we are. But the forgiveness that we pray for, Father, forgive us, it doesn't affect our identity. He's still the Father. The forgiveness we pray for, it doesn't affect our place in God's house. It only reinforces it. We were adopted through forgiveness forever. We were adopted through forgiveness of sins, and this is what God did, and this is who we are. We are forgiven. We are saved to be a people of forgiveness toward others. And this is the expectation, the second half of verse 12, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And, and I don't know if you caught the verb tense here. This is really, really interesting stuff. But, but Jesus is actually saying, Father, forgive our sins as we have already forgiven. Can you put that back up there, David? That like little diagram for me, thank you. He's saying, forgive, Father, forgive our sins as we have already forgiven, it's in the past, those who sin, present tense, future tense, against us. Jesus is saying forgiveness is a predecision and a predisposition to forgive others. And that's because as Christians, we don't just forgive the infraction. We don't just forgive the debt. We don't just forgive the sin or the disappointment or, or, or whatever else might come at us. We choose as God's people to forgive people in advance for any wrong that might come against us, just like God did for us. So God forgives our sin that separates us from his, his, good, his goodness in, in his house, in his family. God forgives the sin, but we are responsible not for forgiving their sin. That's God's job. It's our job to forgive the people, the sinners who sin 
against us. God forgives the sin. We forgive the sinner. This is Matthew 6, 12. It reminds me, and it brings me back to um, this moment, fall of 1999. It's aging me quite a bit now. I just graduated high school in June, and I had started university in, what, August, September, and I was walking around campus, University of Wisconsin, Oshkosh, um, and there were all these, like, welcome week activities. I don't know if you remember that. Like, they have all these booths set up on the sidewalk, and you walk through, and there's all these student organizations trying to get you to sign up to be a part of things. There are, like, people handing out flyers, ministries, all, all very exciting for 18-year-old David. And so I'm walking around, and this guy is like, hey, hey, kid, come on over. I got something to show you. And I was like, great, this sounds, this sounds cool. And he says, what if I told you I could give you this piece of plastic, and you could charge anything on it? for the next six months, and you don't have to pay a dime. And I'm thinking, wow, I want this. And so I sign up for it, and I get this little card that says discover, and boy did I discover the good things of life. 18-year-old David. And so I'm out there, and then I sign up for another one, and then I sign up for another one, and listen, six months go by, and I'm telling you, life was good. I was the life of the party. Someone wanted to go to dinner? No problem. Put it on my tab. Someone want to go to a movie? I got no problems with that. Let me take care of it. See? It was the best of times. It was glorious. And then I got the bill. And when I say bill, I actually mean bills, multiple, okay? And I didn't, I didn't really have a job. I didn't have a lot of money. And so I just kind of, you know, I just kind of said, oh, well, it's just, just paper. I'll just leave it over here for now. And then I got the phone calls. And I got calls, and I got calls. And I'm not proud of it, but o- over a year, I dodged call after call. And for a year, the debt grew. The debt It grew and grew and grew, and I eventually, I was so tired of pressing ignore on my phone that I finally picked up the phone and I just said, listen, I am young and I am dumb and I made a poor decision, but I wanna make things right. I wanna make things right, and so I worked with this company to consolidate my bills and they created a plan for what's called debt forgiveness. Debt forgiveness, they said, if you pay this much, we will forgive the rest. If you pay this much, we'll forgive the rest. Beautiful. And so I did the work. I saved up. I paid it off. And I was feeling good. But then I realized there's a huge difference between forgiveness to the Lord and forgiveness in the world. Because, see, my debt was gone. I owed nothing. It was paid. It was in the clear. But I wasn't actually forgiven by these companies. For the next 10 years, my credit score was crushed, okay? The debt was gone, but so was the trust. And this is the way of our world, right? Forgiveness is circumstantial to the world. It's given with conditions to situations, but the past is never really gone. The past haunts us regardless of what we do to make things right. The world holds us to who we've been. And I imagine some of you in this house today have experienced that. There's some past, there's these things that you've done that the world won't let, seem to let you forget. Decisions you've made. And yeah, you might, you might be in the black. 
but the world still sees you in the red. The world might say it was paid, but forgiveness was never given. The world holds us to who we've been, but God says, God says, you are forgiven forever. Yeah, and there's stuff that you might do that you still need to come back to the Father and say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that I, that, I, that I haven't been living within your house rules, that I haven't been meeting your expectations. I'm so sorry, but God will still look back at you and say, you're already forgiven. From here to heaven, you're forgiven. And you're forgiven to be a people of forgiveness. And not to simply forgive a circumstance or a situation. We are not a debt collection agency that reports back to the world how much was forgiven, right? No, for Christians, it's not the sin. We are expected to forgive the sinner. And why? Why is this so important to God? It's because when we forgive one another, we are not only speaking relief over their past, we are speaking promise and identity over their future. When I paid off all my credit card bills and I, was in, and I was in the clear, there was no promise of what could be. There was only a reminder of the past. But with Christians, with God, when he speaks this over us and we are forgiven, it's, 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 not, that, it's not that our past was just kind of reconciled. It's that you have a future now. You have a future and it's our responsibility as people of forgiveness to not just neutralize the past, it's our job as Christians to speak a future over their promise and their identity. Just as God, through Christ, has done for you. And if we don't, Matthew 6, back to it. If we don't make an intentional decision to forgive others, believing there are more than the sum of their decisions, if we don't choose in advance to forgive people, Jesus is essentially saying, don't even bother asking God for it. If you aren't willing to live like the family, don't pretend to ask for more. Don't even ask to be made right in his family if you aren't willing to live like his family because he will not forgive your sin when you aren't willing to put on your new nature, when you aren't willing to live as his forgiven people. Yeah, you might be forgiven for eternity, but there's still a disconnect between you and the Father for today. We must be a people of forgiveness. But to what extent? And how can we begin to make this change? Because we've all been wronged. You know, I was talking with Pastor Manny, and he actually put together this, um, this reflection on here, and there's some amazing and compelling questions. Make sure you grab this as you leave. It says, now you might ask, how far should we go to forgive others? Should the Armenians forgive the Turks for inflicting genocide in 1915? Should the Christians in South Sudan forgive their government for 40 years of murder? Should the descendants of the African slave trade forgive their offenders? These are the questions that beg an answer. So we must be a people of forgiveness, and we know this, but to what extent? Because we've all got things, we've all got circumstances that have affected us deeply. People have wronged us. This world is broken, and we have felt the effects so how can we begin to see people like God sees us through a lens of forgiveness? 
Well, if you're taking notes, there's two quick things from our opening scripture, and, um, and it should be really, really simple. We've got a screen up for David, David if you want to throw that up there. It's off with the old and on with the new. It's off with the old and on with the new. We see it in Ephesians 4. It says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, put the, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly holy and righteous. Now put that screen back up there for me real quick, David. Thank you. I didn't do it all in order. Perfect. Now what does this look like? Starting off with the old. Say that with me real quick. Off with the old. One more time. Off with the old. If we want to forgive like God has forgiven us, you need to throw off your sinful nature and flee from your former way of life. You cannot expect to respond like Jesus when you're still living like the world. You cannot expect to naturally forgive like God does when we're still doing all this garbage. So verse 25, stop telling lies. Verse 26, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. What, what happens? This keeps you tied to the devil. Quit stealing. Stop using foul and abusive language. Some of you are thinking, what's the big deal? It's just words. Words matter. This brings sorrow to the Holy Spirit living within you. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all evil behavior. Off with the old. And listen, while this change of heart can take some time, a change of behavior can happen in an instant. It can happen in an instant, and change begets change. The more we cease all evil behavior, the more we throw off the old and cut ties with the devil, the more our hearts begin to change for one another. The more we throw off the old, the easier it is to put on the new. The more we throw off the old, the easier it is to put on the new. So, so, so off with the old. Stop living in opposition from God. You know what that is. Stop living like the forgiveness from God didn't stick. Once you were dead in sin, but now you are alive in Christ, we need to act like it. We need to act like it. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, on with the new. Created to be like God, righteous and holy. I love this from Ephesians 4. It says, let us tell our neighbor the truth, using your hands for good, hard work, and live generously to others in need. Remember, God has claimed you as your own. This is the end. So be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Off with the old. On with the new. Off with the old. On with the new. And I promise, as change begets more change, the more we remember what God did, the more like him we will become. The more we expel the old way of life, Say, you're out of here. The more we expel the old way of life, the more we welcome the renewal of the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit wants to do in our thoughts, our attitudes, and behaviors. The more we cease living in lies and we kick it out, the more we naturally speak truth in love. The more we cast aside bitterness and rage and anger, the more we choose in advance to forgive those who sin against us. We have to say off with the old if we want to say on with the new. 
It starts with stopping. Off with the old. On with the new. Friends, you were created for forgiveness. When God was forming you and God was reforming you, when God gave you this new nature, there is nothing in you capable of carrying bitterness. God did not give you a compartment in your heart for bitterness or rage or anger or selfishness. God created you for forgiveness because you were created to be like God, the God who forgives. And there is nothing in you capable or qualified to cast judgment on another. Let me say that one more time. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and so there is nothing in you, there is nothing in you qualified to cast judgment on another, to hold bitterness over another. We have all sinned so great, but even in the midst of that active rebellion against the Lord, even in the midst of that active rebellion that held Jesus to the cross, Jesus still prayed, Father, forgive them. They just don't get it. Father, forgive them. So let this be our way. Let this be our example, our expectation in prayer. That daily we would say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Forgive our sins as we have already forgiven those who sin against us. I wanna be back in your good graces. I wanna be back in your house. I wanna represent your way and your kingdom. God, forgive me as I have already forgiven those who sin against me. This is Matthew 6.12, and then as we close, um, the band, uh, I think we've got kind of a, a stripped back band coming up to lead us in the final song. You guys can come on up. But as we close, you've just been on my heart all week. Because honestly, I, I know that you know this and that you are a gracious people. I see the way that you care for one another and the way that you love each other. But I just want you to think for a moment. I just want you to think for a moment where in your life is forgiveness hard? We're all here on purpose. We're all here because we want to live different. We're all here, I mean, we're not here for the entertainment. We're not here to get something uh, selfishly out of this experience. And so we're all here because we want to live more like Jesus. And so, so if you think about your life, where in your day-to-day -day is forgiveness hard? Who, who in your life are you still holding to a moment? Who in your life are you still holding to a circumstance, a situation, a letdown? Who in your life are you still holding to a failure instead of choosing them to see them like God sees them and like God sees you? What bitterness, what rage, what anger do you need to throw off this morning so you can put on your new nature? What behaviors and thoughts from your former way of life you need to move on from today so you can live like the people that were created to be like God. It's the first thing I want you to think about is simply where is forgiveness needed in your life? 
Where does forgiveness need to go from you to that sinner, to those who have sinned against you? The second thing I want you to think about today is who is God putting on your heart to forgive? Who is God putting on your heart to forgive to say, Father, forgive them? They didn't know what they were doing. Father, forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. Maybe it's someone in your family and they let you down. Maybe it's someone at work and they hurt you. Maybe it's a friend with unmet expectations and you're holding on to this grudge, this bitterness, because you know that they shouldn't have, but they still did. And I don't know, maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. Maybe you just can't seem to forgive yourself for something that happened 20 years ago. Maybe there's so much guilt wrapped up in your own bitterness. I don't know, but you do. So, so what will it be? Who has God put on your heart that needs forgiveness today? Because God longs to forgive. You were never intended to carry judgment or anger. You were designed for love and grace, peace, patience, forgiveness. And so let us be a people of forgiveness. Let us be a people that see beyond the past and into the future through what God says is possible. Let us not be a people that just cancel out a debt, but a people that, that speak a future over those who sin against us, that we might encourage them, not just exonerate them, but that we might encourage them into the life of love and, and, and forgiveness that God has invited us into. So I want to pray for you. The band is going to lead us in a closing song about the goodness of God. But I just want to pray for you specifically that, that God would give you the courage to let go, that God would give you the courage to forgive, that God would give you the courage to leave the past where it belongs and, and speak that encouraging future over those around you that we'd no longer be held back by the things that disappointed us. We'd stop believing that we have the ability to judge others because of what they did, but rather we would see everyone like God sees us through the lens of infinite possibility and opportunity, not as strangers, but as family. So I wanna pray for you, forgiveness. Father, forgive us as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We're so grateful for the forgiveness that you have given us. God, we're so grateful for all that you've done and promised to do. Jesus, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous how, how, how you were able to see past all the garbage we've done and you still call us friend, you still call us family and you're urging us to not only just stay at neutral, but God, to, to jump into the future with you. God, we've let you down. We have strayed, we have lived in our old nature. We have sinned against you, God. We ask that you would just, that you would forgive us today as we now have decided to forgive those who have sinned against us. Let us be a people that reflect you well, a people that live in your image. God, we love you and we thank you. 
We ask that you give us eyes to see the people that we have harbored bitterness over. God, we ask that you give us eyes to see and hearts to forgive. God, that we would that we would say off with the old and on with the new. So we love you and it's in your name that we pray. And we all said, amen.